but there, there are things that we need to focus on in our life to decide whether or not this takes precedence over what it is that I want. When we get married, as a single man, I had a lot of different things in my life that were important to me. Don't fall down and hurt yourself. But I had to choose when I got married which of those things now take precedence. And I had to decide there were friends in my life that I had to cut away. Because the woman that I was about to marry meant more to me than those relationships of past. And if we aren't careful, we will do the same thing when it comes time for God. The Bible says that we, when, we, when we get rid of things in our life, we are to sweep our house and replace that with something. If all we're doing is getting rid of things in our life and we change nothing, that thing will come back. The Bible talks about it being demonic and it comes back seven times stronger than it was when it left. So you can get rid of your cigarette if that's, I'm just trying to get in your, in your head right now. I'm just trying to get in your house. I've been knocking on the door for about 10 minutes. I'm just trying to get in your house. If we put our cigarette down and we put it down for six months, but we don't fill that void because that, listen, all right, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not picking on you. I'm just, I'm trying to teach you. There are addictions in our lives and it doesn't have to be just smokes. It doesn't have to be just alcohol. It can be anything. But we all have addictions in our lives. And if we break those addictions and we don't replace those addictions with what can fulfill that void that addiction will return seven times stronger i'm telling you what the bible says about it you you following me you okay because i, I want us to understand that there is a season and a moment in our life that we have to decide to make, to make room for more. Have you ever thought, or better yet, have you ever desired more in your life? Now, let's talk about this for a second. I told you I wanted to teach you. I really feel teaching. Maybe you desired more in your relationships more in your finances more in your home in your health in your marriage on your job you there's been a desire for more and before you start saying uh-oh pastor then turned and he's gonna be like those people now that that preach and teach about the me gospel this isn't a me gospel 
It's not about you. I'm not trying to pump you up and get you excited about you and you figuring out, oh, I can do it because you can't do anything without God. So don't get, it, don't get this twisted right off of Jump Street because you're going to miss the entire point. But we have never reached that moment of experience and fulfillment in that desire of more. We, we still, we get married, we still feel empty. Okay, so see, there's some of y'all that, ooh, it, it has not. Don't lie to yourself. It has not. Now, it can be, but it has not been full of whipped creams and cherry. It just hasn't. Marriage is something you work towards. Marriage isn't something that happens overnight because you say I do with the ring. That's not the way that goes. So if you want more, if you're desiring more out of that marriage, you have to make room for more. Tommy, go to 1 Colossians. I, I, I want you to understand what I'm talking to you about because I don't, I don't want you thinking, oh, pastor's talking about a me gospel. And, and watch. For by him all things are made. All things were created by him. All things in heaven and that are on earth. So by him, Jesus, God, everything was created. Not only in heaven, but everything on earth. Okay, I just got to help you. What's, what's he talking about on earth? Everything. Yeah, but pastor, he said, no. He said everything. That means money. means relationships, means jobs, means your cars. Well, pastor, he did not make a car. He give someone, come on, I'm, I want to help you, but I want you to understand this. Everything that was made was made by him, heaven and earth, visible See, we all, and, and life is spiritual, and I'm not going to, I won't deny that. But he said that everything that was visible is made by him. I know, pastor, come on. This is Sunday morning, it is. This was created by him. Now, I'm not saying that how things are made or how things are used out of that creation is godly, but I'm saying that he made that. So everything that you can desire on this earth and in this life was made by him. Watch. Invi the visible and the invisible. Whether thrones... I mean, it's this scripture break, it's breaking it down. It's talking about the visible things. Whether it was thrones, it was made by him. That king sat upon, it was made by him. Dominions, 
They were made by Him. The principalities are powers. Made by Him. All things were created through Him, watch this, and for Him. This is where I'm going, I'm going to challenge you with this. We have gotten it so twisted in our time that we don't want to benefit. And if I'm preaching to anybody this morning, I'm preaching to myself. I opened myself up like a can of soup yesterday in the car talking to a buddy of mine, talking to David English. I said, dude, I don't know why I'm talking to you like this, but I just opened myself up like a can of soup. Because there's times in my life that I struggle with things. And I find myself even being condemned by the good things that God wants for me. Okay? Anybody here want some good things for you? Or am I the only one? Okay. So the, everything that was created was created, created through him and for him. What does that really mean? Because he doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your house. He doesn't need your good job. Are you, are you following me? He doesn't need any of that. He desired to have that created so that purposefully he would utilize that which you gained in this earth for the benefit of the gospel. How do I do this? I haven't started yet. I got a couple notes, but I want to. There's things in my life that I used to dream for. Then those dreams became a reality in my life. And when I begin to experience those dreams as a reality in my life, I began to feel guilty. Because I would notice others weren't experiencing what I was experiencing in life, even though I knew they have it too. And I'm talking about God's people now. Because if we, if we have salvation, we are complete. I'm, everybody just, you went straight to the bottom of your deepest, darkest, dampest barrel and found the worst thing in your life and went, well, I'm not sure because I've got... Some of y'all started digging in your past and, and started digging in barrels and going, well, if I was complete, then this wouldn't be. We have to make room for more. What are we keeping in our life that's causing clutter? But yet we want more. There's a desire for more in a relationship. Okay, let's, let's go to a relationship barrel and let's find out 
what's in that barrel that's cluttering the room for more? Anybody want to increase their marriage or increase a friendship or increase a relationship? We all do. But what are you carrying in that barrel if we can separate our desires? Here's a barrel for relationship. What are we carrying in this barrel that takes up room for the desire of more? Let me, let me walk through some of, your, some of your history. You've never felt wanted, but the woman or the man that you married says that you're deserving. But because you have never felt wanted in your life, you carry that in your barrel of relationship, and now you cause that one that wants to give you, that wants to adorn you, that wants to shelter you and keep you and take care of you and love you. They've got to fight now through the clutter of what was. Maybe we want more in our jobs or in our finances, but we, we have things in our barrel that has kept us from experiencing more. Let me help you. Maybe that you carry greed in your barrel. God wants to give you more. He wants you to experience better. Okay, he wants you to experience gooder. Do I still have your attention? <laughs> but because we, we have this tendency of holding on to what clutters our barrel of, of existence, we, we, we hold on to these things and there's not enough room for God to put more in because he already knows that what you have is going to destroy the more that he wants to increase you. Do you believe that God wants to increase you? Let me take you back to the cross. Can I take you back? Are y'all okay for this on a Sunday morning? Let me take you back to the cross. The only reason that God sent his son was to increase you. But past, listen to me for a minute. He wanted to increase you in the relationship of right standing with God. And there was no other way that you were going to get to that relationship or get to that point in that relationship without Jesus dying for you. But unless you tend to make room for more, you will never experience the fulfillment of that desire. And we all want more of something. I'm not trying, I don't want to condemn you this morning. I'm trying to set somebody free. Because the more that we want, in most cases, the less that we're willing to move and make room for that which we desire more of. What's this have to do with a Sunday morning? 
What's this got to do with the gospel? Everything. Everything. Because God will utilize the more. God will utilize the increase. As long as we maintain our humility and walk in an upright posture. Don't you dare let the enemy sit on your shoulder while you're driving down the road and tell you. That you don't deserve it. And tell you that you can't. And tell you that you shouldn't. And then begin to condemn you. Oh, now that has become your God. Ask me how I know. And then it causes us as Christian people to start stepping back. When God wants to utilize our increase and our more to make room for more in the kingdom, for more people, for more things, for more benefit, so that he can again take that one that was desiring more. Now they've been introduced to more, and now you can train them how to use the more, and God gets more glory, God gets more benefit, the kingdom grows because you increased and because you made room for more. You with me? Are you, is your head still tied on your money and, and your wonderful relationships and your great marriages? Because this is when I'm going to step in now and we're going to stir the pot a little bit because I want you, I want you to desire more. If you don't desire more, you die. We eat, you're, listen, you're either growing or dying. It's that simple. With all of that being said, how many of you in here want more of God? Now, and, and be careful. Be careful with raising your hand. Be careful of amening that and saying, so be it. Be careful of saying yes. Because we fall right back into the same state. If we struggle with gaining more on what we just talked about, how much more will we struggle with the desire of wanting more of God? Because see, the things that you desire more of in your life, what we've just talked about, what we've just discussed, and what we've really talked about was the material things in life. And if we struggle with walking into that as concrete, as our experience, and we can see that, you don't see God 
How much harder is it? Because see, God's not going to show up the way you want Him to show up all the time. He's not going to be there when you think He ought to be there all the time. I'm not saying that He vacated you. I'm just saying you're not going to see hard evidence. It's not that He's not there. He's just trying to work some stuff out. He's hoping that you are willing to make room for more. You with me? Let's take a walk. Don't get up and leave. Just let's just walk through scripture real quick. Sorry, but not sorry. This is totally different for y'all, isn't it? <laughs> not really. Y'all used to me throwing curveballs. I get thrown them all the time. Matthew 9, chapter, chapter 9. We're going to start at verse 14. I want to try to read through this and then come back and dissect it. Then the disciples of John, and when I first started reading this years ago and I seen this, I always blamed this on the Pharisees. I've never seen the disciples of John. So these aren't people that were against God. These were people that were laying the pathway for God. But the disciples of John, these are the ones that came to Jesus and asked this question. They came saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, can friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth onto an old garment, for the patch pulls away from the garment and the tear is made worse. Nor do they put new wine into old wine skins, or else the wine skins break. The wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined, but they put new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. While he spoke these things to them, behold, a ruler came and worshipped him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. So Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And suddenly a woman who had had a flow of blood for 12 years, came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she had said to herself, If only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. When Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd wailing, he said to them, make room, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when the crowd was put outside, he went in 
and took her by the hand. And the girl arose, and the report of this went out into all that land. I'm sitting and watching Jesus give us these examples. If you ever want to know what to do, track Jesus and see what he did. Here Jesus is in the moment of being questioned. And the question was this, if I can give you an RDN translation. Interpretation. Let me do that, the RDN interpretation. He was being questioned as to why is it you stand against the traditions of the church? It's what, he's, it's what they're asking him because everybody fasted and prayed. How many of you fast and pray out of tradition? Don't just keep your hand down. He said, why, why, do you, why do your disciples not fast, but we do? Why is it you go to church on Sunday, but we go to church on Wednesday? Why is it we go every day, but you only go one day a week? Or you go one day a month, or twice a year, the Christers. He's saying, this is what they're asking him. Why is it that you are defying what we have done for generations? See, if we aren't careful, we too will walk in the traditions of man and won't make room for more. How do you worship God in freedom when everybody in the church looking like the wart on the toad? No, nobody will even say amen. Nobody cracks his mouth. Nobody will say glory, hallelujah. Nobody will say amen, preacher. Preach on. I received that preacher. Everybody sat stiff-collared and stiff-necked. And we wonder why. I'm, not, I'm trying to help you. I'm teaching. We wonder why we don't experience the more. But we're not willing to do anything else. Our barrel is full. The Bible says that they made traditions the laws of God. And by tradition, they made the law of no effect. We get tied up in doing things a certain way and it has become and I'm not I'm not beating up on you because it's because of this it's it's that we have been taught and have had these things modeled before us that's why it's uncomfortable for a Pentecostal to go to a Catholic church 
because the Pentecostals haven't had that Catholicism modeled before them. It's why the, uh, it's why the, uh, I don't know, y'all pick one. It's why the Baptists are uncomfortable coming to a, to a Pentecostal church because they've not had that modeled before them. They haven't had that teaching. Actually, the teaching that they've had has been totally opposite of what, see, don't get me started. We, I have to believe, Charlie, that in the country, I have to believe this, that a Christian in this country, in this day and age, in this time, is desiring more of God. But they will, they will refuse and they will fight to change. Oh, they got in their barrel. Now instead of doing praise and worship at the beginning of church, they've done it at the end of church. Instead of taking offering by passing the plate, they put it on the altar. By, by having one person at the door, now they got three on the lot and two at the door. And we, Listen, all we've done, we've taken the clutter of Christianity and we have organized the clutter. And there is no room for God. We want more, but we want to do less. We want more, but we want to keep what we have. We want miracles, but we continue to do. We want good married relationships, but we're still soaking up the sun with the boys at the bar. That's our secret. I just helped you. Come on. We, 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 want, we want a husband, but we treat him. Y'all thought y'all was off the hook. Women, y'all ain't no... If you want a husband, be a wife. Well, help me out, Lenore. If you want a friend, be friendly. If you want to receive, give. I'm just, that's Bible. We want more, but we don't want to make more room for we're just going to organize it. This week, we're going to take, take our drunken state and our whoremonger state and flip it from Sunday to Tuesday so that we can go to church on Sunday. Okay, fine. You don't do all that. We, what we do is we organize the clutter in our barrel and we will take from the point of cussing in church and we just turn that and we cuss on Monday through Friday. They hate me. We, we take and we won't talk about somebody in the church about 
Or we won't talk about somebody in church with someone that's in church, but we will go and we will join arms with our other people that are unequally yoked, and then we want to talk and discuss how bad... Can y'all move to the front this morning? I want to lay hands on every one of you. Are you, are you with me? Are you, are you catching this? Because there's things that we desire of God. And I'm not saying you don't desire more of God. I'm not telling you that. I truly believe you do. If you don't, we need to do a check. A head check. But what are we willing to remove in order that God can move in? Not saying he's not there. I'm not saying you're not saved. Not saying you're not going to heaven. I'm not saying any of that. So stop throwing the hate stuff. I'm just saying if you want more of God. Okay, John the Baptist put it this way. Less of me, more of you. I'm going to have a hard time to have any friends after today. Will you go eat a burger with me or something? So I don't care if you get mad or not. I got somebody to eat a burger. You want to? All right, cool. <laughs> Jesus is sitting here telling these people, I have more for you. What you have experienced up to this point, the law has taken you as far as the law can take you. And your traditions will keep from taking you any further. If you'll listen to me, and if you can read between the lines, because Jesus was, I wish I was as good as him. Not, you know, when it came to teaching. Because he would always throw stuff out there in riddle form. And, what? But he would pull his disciples to the side and say, it's not meant for them to know. But for you, it's meant for. That's God talking to the church. He said, listen, it's not meant for the world to know the secrets of the kingdom. But I'll give you the keys. We want more of him, but we want to walk our way. We want to live in million-dollar homes, but we don't want to go to work. We would rather play the system and collect the money off of the system. We don't want to get, uh-oh, uh uh-oh, somebody's getting you. Because, see, I don't know what else is going on with any of y'all so I can say this freely instead of us getting married and living under the covering of God of holy matrimony we will, we will stay single in the eyes of the government so that we can get the benefit I got to take a drink to wash that one down. Y'all might take a drink break. It'll help you wash that down. 
I'm, just, I'm trying to help somebody this morning. It's all I'm doing. I'm trying to help somebody. I'm trying to help me. Because there's things I want more of. In God, there's things I want more of. But I know I can't do. There's things in my life I can't do. So now this year, because we, we talked about this year, we're going to make this year. You know what make means, right? It means to do. It means to apply. It means... So I'm going to make this year better. How am I going to make this year better? Because I'm going to make room for more. So there's going to be friendships. There's going to be relationships. There's going to be meetings. There's going to be business deals. There's going to be business calls. There's going to be relational issues that I'm going to cut away from my life because I want more. And the only way that I'm going to get more is by making room for more. I'm not going to organize the chaos in my life. I'm going to start cutting away the chaos in my life because it's got to get out of the barrel. The barrel's only a 50-gallon barrel. It'll only hold 50 gallons. I don't care how you shake it. I'd rather have 50 gallons of Jesus We started this thing reverse. I, I told you about the wanting more of the material things in life so that you could understand that with all of that, God can use it and get the glory from it. But you have to maintain a state of humility throughout that process. For those that are holier than me and everybody else, If you want more of God and you make room for more of God, then all the other stuff that other people are desiring comes along with. So I don't care how you turn the 50-gallon barrel. Doesn't matter if it's on its head or if it's on its tail. It don't matter. If you've got more of God, you've got more of life. Will somebody help me? We exhaust ourselves in the desire of wanting more because we go after the more in which we desire. But if I could get you to turn your thinking, if I could get you to repent, that's what Jesus was telling John's disciples. If I can just get you to rethink this thing, I'm not going to take what I have and pour into what you carry. I want you to carry what I have. <laughs> you can't go desiring more of God and bringing you along. Because you're hard-headed, you're stubborn, you're selfish, you're arrogant, you're egotistical, you're selfish, you're hateful, you're ugly. <laughs> I'm just saying if I still got you. Are you with me? Michelle, we can't, we can't walk into the presence of God with all of our stink and rotten self and expect God to fill us up. He said, matter of fact, he's already filled you 
to your capacity. Because, because some of our spiritual capacities only reach the level of being saved. My friend, can I tell you how empty of a life that you will live on this earth if all you do in Christendom is just to be saved? You're miserable. Matter of fact, the Bible can actually talk to us about that being saved thing because a lot of us will take the do's and the don'ts and that's how they live out their salvation is by the do's and don'ts. Can I tell you that the Bible says the more that you go about doing the do's and the don'ts, the more sin that you'll produce. Whew, the Bible's good, but if you just open it up. We forget about, I'm not going to say we forget about, We lessen the authority of the Holy Spirit in our life when all we do is focus on the do's and don'ts because now you've taken salvation into your hands. But if we will release, because all Jesus wants to do in the laws is to wake you up and let you know that no matter what you do, you can't get here. That's basically what he's saying. I mean, it's, that's the RDN interpretation I don't care how good you are I don't care how good you think you might be or could be or are working towards your best day is a filthy rag and you can't earn your salvation so we get hung up into this do's and don'ts and that's where we live the rest of our life. How many of you are tired of living a life miserable? See, I hate it when you look at me and tell me, you're a pastor. You, you know, I was, I went and got me some shoes for the truck, right? She had to get some new shoes. And uh, so I go in, I get some new shoes. Well, you know, I, I do a lot of business with him and I'm sitting there in the waiting room and we're just chit-chatting and he's talking about some stuff and, and I said something. <laughs> Your pastor. I just said something. And in that conversation, he said, you know what? He said, you just made my day. I said, how's that? I mean, we were just having conversation. He said, no. You said something. No, wait a minute. matter of fact, I was on the phone talking to somebody. So anybody that works with me knows that can go sideways real fast. But I'm on the phone talking to somebody. And he overheard the conversation and he heard me say something. I didn't give it no thought. That's, brother, what you see here is what you get out there. What you see out there is what you go get in here. And if you're asking me to change any of that, you change. And I said, what happened? He said, you said something. And he said, he goes, you know, the best part about it is I know a pastor. That's what he said. He said, I know a pastor. And I heard him say, and that just showed me 
that I can make it to. It wasn't that bad. I'm not telling you. He said, what did you say? That's a disciple. That's a disciple. Well, what did you say? Well, what did you do? I want to, yeah. So I looked at him and I went, was that bad or was that good? I didn't do it with any ill intent. And I didn't do anything that I typically wouldn't do. But would God have me change either what I said or how I said to make it any different? And in that moment, God took even the bad. I mean, I could have been in an angry moment and said something and they go, whoa, that's from a pastor. That's why it's hard for me. I got to wear 15 hats, man. And it's rough. I'm still buying some. I got three. I got a few more to buy. But he saw something that benefited the kingdom in his own life. So now he's not having to walk under. I don't know where he goes to church. I know he goes to church. I know he teaches Sunday school somewhere. And he said, man, he said, even when I stand in front of my class, and he said, there's probably 30, 35 people in it. I said, boy, they get it raw, don't they? He said, mm-hmm. I said, dude, you keep doing the gospel. You keep teaching. I said, because sooner or later somebody else is going to catch it like you caught it and figure out that even in your worst days, God will still make a way. And I said, dude, you don't have to be perfect, man. I said, it's never been about being perfect. I'm tired of trying to be perfect. Right? Even though I'm better than... Watch. So Jesus is telling them about their traditions and how we get hung up in our ways. And that's what he's telling you this morning. Don't get hung up in how it's always been. If we do how it's always been, we'll be how it's always been. I'm tired of being what it's always been. Man, I can't wait for God to just shock y'all. I'm, I'm going I'm to send him a big, one of them big sewing needles. I'm going to FedEx it to him so he can just poke you in your hindquarters one day in church and make you jump up out of your seat and go, glory! <laughs> He's wanting you to have liberty in him. He wants you to be able to praise him like you, how many of you really, and, and be honest with me, how many of you have been in any church anywhere, and man, you just, you knew that the move of God was on you, and you, he just sat down on you like a mother hen, and he was causing so much pressure on you, you thought you was having a heart attack, and you really wanted to get up and shout glory. You wanted to throw both of your hands up and dance around the church. You wanted to scream and shout at the top of your lungs. But you didn't. Anybody ever, anybody in here ever? Boy, y'all a bunch of self-righteous people. You, if you've been in church any length of time, you've wanted to do something because I know the Spirit of God will push you to your limits 
And you want to do something, but you're so arrogant. Oh, I have a, I've got an image. You better make room for more. Your image, your image will fail. We better let go of us. And we better grab a hold of him, Michelle. You still want more? I done scared all of you off. Y'all done got, or either that or you just got mad at me. Now you just shut me down. You don't even want to listen. I don't, it's up to you. This, the Lord's just trying to talk to you. Now watch this. When, when he said that when he, when he had spoke these things, this ruler come up to him and said, Hey, I've got a daughter, sick, dying, dead. But if you lay hands on her, she'll live. We've all done this. We've all went to God in a circumstance or a situation that seemed like it was just no hope. We've all gone to him, and we've all made our plea, our argument. We've thrown it at his feet. We see him making a move. Boy, we got excited. Boy, God's really going to, he's going to work this thing out. And God takes a detour. Now, instead of you being in line, you went to the end of the line. Instead of you being at the front, you went to the back. Uh-oh. And we as Christians, because we won't make room for more, we go, well, I guess this ain't going to work, and we give up. And then we blame God. If God would have answered my prayer, if God would have done, why do you think churches are struggling? Because of some of the sloppy agape we're teaching. We're telling, all you have to do is just ask God and he'll do it. Well, he just very well might. But he might not do it the way you want him to do it. He might not do it in the time that you want him to do it. Can you weather the storm? But if you're not making more room, you're not going to be able to weather the storm because you haven't reached that plateau yet to where you say, God's God. If he said it, he'll do it. His arm's not too short. He lends his ear to me every time I open my big mouth. And I know he'll do it. I know he's going to take care of it. Why? Because I've got some other scripture that he'll perfect those things which concerns me. So I'm going to lean into that. That concerns me. God, my relationship with my wife, that concerns me. I know it might not work out the way you want it to work out, but that concerns me. And he's going to work it out. Ask me how I know. <laughs> Twelve years of hell, that's how I know. And now I love a woman more than I ever thought I could ever love a woman. Through the thick and the thin. The thick and, never mind. I just, I'm trying to make sure you're still with me. I don't want to bore you. <laughs> but he'll work it out. 
He's on his way to this man's house. And because another woman decided she was going to make room for more. She had to put away tradition. Everything, listen, everything that was written kept her in bondage of being healed. Everything. She was unclean. She could, you dare not touch a rabbi. Really? And she said, Charlie, <laughs> I've done every, uh-oh, I've gone to every church I could possibly go to, and I've done church the best that I can do church in the churches that I've been. And ain't nothing working. Maybe you ought not go to church. Boy, there's hate mails from pastors. What are you, you're telling people, you're telling people not to go to church. They done fell down. I didn't fall, the camera fell. Everybody online is looking and watching going, whoa, the pastor, they've been called 911. Aren't you glad you, you could go to any other church? But look at the church you chose. But maybe they shouldn't go to church. Maybe you ought not go to church. Maybe you ought to go congregate. Maybe you ought to go fellowship. Maybe you ought to go sharpen iron. Maybe you ought to go to learn. Maybe, anybody getting me? Because if you go to church this Sunday like you went to church last Sunday, well, I don't know why I'm going. Preacher's just going to get loud and spit on me. and My life never changes. But I look down in your 50-gallon barrel and the same thing you had in it last week is the same thing you got in it. Oh, let me help you real quick. Let me, can I help you? Can I help you? Okay, let me help you. We look down in that barrel, the same thing that we said last week is the same thing we're saying this week, but we want things to change. It's not going to. Miss Linda, we keep saying how much we hate our husbands. Guess what we'll never have? A husband. You're going to have a disgruntled man. Anybody in here live with a man? Do y'all know how, how hard that is to live with a man? Huh? Oh, come on, loosen up. Because if you live with a man, it can get just, oh, my God, again. Because we're stubborn and hard-headed. But, boy, if you ever find a way to live with a husband, There's something about a husband. Because a husband will revert back to 1 Corinthians 13. And he'll start reading things like love suffers long. Love never fails. And he'll come to you with an arm full of roses. Some chicken parmesan. Alfredo linguine. All that crazy stuff. You know. And just lay that stuff down before you. While you eat. And weep. Because your husband. Your husband. Came home. Mm -hmm. Man you want a wife? <laughs> Stop being a man 
and start being a husband. The Bible puts it on us as men. The Bible says that marriage, that's the great mystery of Christ and the church. So you can't, listen, women, men, can I take a moment? Thank you. There is no standoff in marriage. You've got to find a way within yourself to be the one to give in. Wives, I'm going to help you right here. And at the end of service, you just, you just come by me and say, Pastor, what a great sermon. I'm going to help you right here. The Bible says that we're the great mystery. That's the, that's the marriage. So husbands, and it puts you first, love your wives as Christ loves the church. How did Christ love the church? He gave himself regardless. All right, men, you, let's stand up and be men. Come on, big fella. Can you love your wife regardless? That's what the Bible's at. No, that's ain't what the Bible's asking of you. That is what the Bible is demanding of you. Can you bow for a moment in humility, knowing that you're wrong? Oh, here's one better. Bowing in humility, knowing, knowing when she's wrong. Woo! I love the curveballs because I tell Debbie all the time, you're right. What can, what can you argue with me about now? I just, I just told you you was right. What else is there to argue about? You know, right? Got to diffuse that. Because I want to I love my wife. I don't want to fight with a woman. <laughs> Men, don't fight with a woman. You go loose. <laughs> but if we can learn how to love regardless... There's not a woman out there that will never walk behind a man. I'm not saying this in a sexist form. Listen. There's not a woman out there that will not walk behind a man in whom she knows, honors, and loves her. Ask me how I know. Michelle, you know how many times my wife, since the first 12 years of her life, and God created a marriage for us. You know how many times she has taken a left when I said take a left and she knew that it was wrong? And Charlie, she took a left anyway. She didn't take it without a voice. She said, baby, I really think. And I'm going, honey, I, I get you. But this is how we're going to do this. And she says, okay, because she found out one day that she would be lathered in the grace of God, no matter my mistake or not, because she obeyed men. I'm not, see, the men, the men take it like this. Well, she's got to listen to what I say. Okay, man, good luck with your marriage. Husbands, 
baby, you know I wouldn't do anything to hurt the family. You know I'm not interested in doing anything but good for the family. And I really feel that this is what we need to do. I've prayed about it. No, God hasn't said yes or no, but I've prayed about it. And we're at a point of making a decision. And I've got to make a decision. And I've seen her. Okay, baby. I've caught her laying in bed and she put her hand on my head. And I know what she, she thinks she's sneaky. If she wanted my attention, she'd grab my face and pull me over and get a kiss or something. But if she's praying for, that hand goes on the back of my head. I don't care what. She, and I already know, I just lay there and be silent. Because she's talking to daddy. Charlie, don't you interrupt her when she's talking to daddy. And then 15, 20 minutes go by, she rolls over and goes to sleep. And I go, nothing's happened so far. <laughs> but God is asking us to get past our traditional ways, to move ahead of things that we've held on to for so many years. It worked for a moment. But you're to you told me this morning in the beginning that you desire more. So I'm just, I want to help those that want more. If you don't want more, this probably isn't for you, and that's okay. But if you want more, you're going to have to make room for more. Jesus goes into the house. And he sees everybody in the house wailing and playing the tambourines and, and crying. And, you know, they paid people to do that back in those times. Man, that was just the weirdest thing. They actually paid people to come to your wedding and go, Please don't do that. Don't come to mine and do... Don't. Yeah, and they pay them. Here's 20 bucks, thanks. Man, that tear, that was awesome. Here's 25 But Jesus seen this, and he, see, he already knew. He was accustomed to this. He knew what was taking place. So he looked at that, and he went, oh. all right, I've got to take these people that don't care anyway. I'm going, so I'm, I'm in your 50-gallon barrel right now. I've got to take these people that don't care anyway. It's just a show. I got to take these people that don't care anyway. I have to make room for more. Jesus didn't organize them. Jesus didn't say, stand over here in this corner, tallest to the shortest. He, he said, make room. That's, some of y'all today, when you go home, Maybe even before you go home, you need to look inside your 50-gallon barrel. You might, some of you might have to get all the way to the bottom of it. Because that's where most of our deepest stuff is. Most of it's been covered up by stuff. See, some of you are sitting in here with pain, torment, rebellion, Excuses. 
of why you can't? Well, my daddy and my mom, I don't care. If you want to make room for more, you're going to have to look in your barrel and say, you have got to go. I know what the last man said to me. And it hurt. And it's kept me from wanting to move into anything else. But after today's word, I found out that in my failure, God will reach out his hand. So you have got to go. I have to make room for more. You, you can't read, Miss Linda, you can't read, you cannot organize chaos. You're going to have to cut out chaos. There's times in, there's times in my life, even right now, I won't listen to some people. Because I got decisions to make. I told Debbie, don't be no Debbie Downer. Keep when she said, well, you know, it, I, shut up. And I did tell her that last week. But stop talking. Absolutely not. I've got to make more room. I've got to make room for more. And how am I going to do that? By cutting out the negativity in my life. By taking people that aren't with me and putting them out. See, we want to hold on to these friendships. You're going, to, you're going to find over life that you're going to run into acquaintances. Very few are going to be friends. You're going to think they're friends. And you're going to give, 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 give. Because they're keep take, 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 take. But if you ask to give, 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 they're going to go bye, 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 bye. Relationship is two-way streets. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And the length of both streets are the same. The road just don't go both ways. It goes both ways for the same distance. <laughs> Can't be stopping by McDonald's on me. I need you to go to Burger King, brother. We need a Whopper. Jesus walked in and he made room. And the Bible said that after they had gone outside. Then Jesus grabbed her hand. And she came to life. You have a desire for something more? Man, this is so good. You have a desire for something more? Get rid of how you used to do it. Cut tradition. Can I? Can I? But mama used to do it this way. No offense to mama. You got to make room for more. Woo! Bye, YouTube. Facebook and everybody else that ain't here. Man, I felt that. Because listen, understand this. It's, it's not, I'm just going to minister over here. Y'all just take the overflow. It's not that what mom done was wrong. It's what mom done the best she could do when she could do it. 
And just because she passed over, she's passing over experience. She's passing wisdom. We are to grow. We are to build on. <laughs> Miss Linda, no offense. But because you've done it one way, it doesn't set our children up for failure if they build upon the way in which we've done it. It sets our children up for success because now our wisdom has now become our fail-safe. It's our safety net. So if what we're trying to build upon doesn't, doesn't make it quite the way we want, we still have, you with me? You understand me? You got it? Man, that boy, whoo! But too many times we lock our children out of success. We lock them out of more because we keep crucifying them when they walk outside of a parameter in which we set. Boundaries are not meant to keep you from going out. Boundaries are set to keep you to move with caution. Y'all remember Jabez's prayer? Increase my territory. That's it. Oh, God, I can't wait to get home. I can't wait to go grab my wife. I'm, I get to tell her something this morning. I get to tell her God spoke. You can't be limited by tradition. You can be guided by, but not limited to. God wants to do more. God wants to increase. Are you willing to do away with the way it used to be? To make room for what it is that you desire more of so that God can come and fill the gap. I'm, I'm, if you go home this morning and you didn't take a bite of this sandwich, shame on you. Shame on you. And God is calling out to his people to desire more. He is El Shaddai. We live in enough, but he wants us to desire him. He's more than enough. He is able to do above and beyond. I'm not, don't get tied back up into your junk and think this is about, oh, I got to make more money and, oh, I got to have. I'm, I'm not taught. If you, if you will make room for God in your life, the desire of what you have for more comes with the one who invented it, the one who created it. Have you ever gotten into a point in your life that everything just seemed to click with God? I mean, you, you were single, but you felt in a relationship. You was lonely, but you felt consulted. You, you, was, you were broke, but you felt rich. I mean, have you ever been? That is God. That is, that's God. 
So when you sit here this morning, as you leave and you're thinking about this, make room for more. Understand that it's going to take something on your behalf. Because see, what it took for that ruler was patience. It took that ruler not to get a hard heart against Jesus because he stopped along the way. He just kept believing. He stood firm in the belief of what he knew God was able to do. He stood for, yeah, it took him a minute. And he probably looked at that woman and said, woman, what do you get away from him? <laughs> You're not even supposed to be down here anyway. But it took him to stand in the face of everything else that looked so bleak. And he said, no, I believe God. I, be I believe he's going he's to raise my daughter. I believe God for more. He's gonna get, he's gonna do more in my life because the more that he does in my life, the more I can do for the kingdom. I can't wait for God to blow your mind. But you're gonna have to believe it. You're gonna have to desire it. You're gonna have to believe it. You're gonna have to have faith for it. That means you're going to actually have to do. I told y'all about faith. It's not just a belief system, right? That's what Jesus done. Jesus even showed us that step. I might have cut them off too soon, but it's okay. Jesus even showed us that step of faith. He moved everybody out. He'd done away with tradition. He put them outside. Then... He reached out his hand. He had faith that she was going. Look, come on. Are you going to walk into a funeral home and grab a dead person's hand in a casket if you don't truly believe that person going to get up? Most of you, y'all like me, you stand back a minute. You look into the casket. I used to look and see if they's breathing. I ain't lying. I used to look in there and go, they're breathing. I'm a morbid individual, aren't I? I just, not really. But the Bible says, let the dead bury the dead. You're not going to catch me mourn, but so long. I will mourn. But there is a time for everything. And eventually I'm going to dance. Pastor, you're so hateful and mean. Live your life how you wish to live it. I will live it in joy and peace and the Holy Spirit. That's how I'm going to live mine. Well, where's that at? That's the kingdom.